Questions are a powerful thing. Questions are a powerful thing. They're able to cause much healing or much harm, depending on who is being asked and by who. Context, as said, matters. So take, for example, today's question from our Lenten series. Who sinned? Who sinned? How does this land for you? How does it make your body feel? In just two short words, my entire body is on high alert and feeling very defensive, as this question carries so many assumptions. One, that somebody is at fault. Two, that somebody must pay for it. And three, that someone has the power to decide who is to blame and what specific consequences will be needed out. It is a powerful question. It immediately evokes shame, isolation, and conflict. Today's story from the Gospel of John can be summed up as a series of queries laden with assumptions when the disciples came upon the man born blind and asked, Who sinned? By asking this, they reveal their underlying beliefs. First, if one's body does not measure up to society's normative standards, something is wrong with it. Second, if something is wrong with your body, then you have done something wrong to deserve it. And third, only certain people have the authority to decide what is normative and the power to administer the penalties for any deviation. Knowing that these are the beliefs that motivate them helps make sense of the ensuing interrogations that unfold among the townspeople and religious authorities, and why most everyone approached the miracle that they witnessed with deep suspicion. Given the initial question, who sinned, it comes as no surprise that the story ends with the cursing and banishment of the formerly blind man from the community. A couple of weeks ago, Niado talked about the encounter that Nicodemus had with Jesus from John 3. Remember that question? It was, how do we begin again when we were in the Gospel of John, the second week of Lent? It's another story with similar themes of people asking misguided questions. It is a common motif in this Gospel, as people frequently miss the forest for the specific tree that they are staring at. Often they are fixated on the how. How can a person be born again? How can a blind person suddenly have vision? How did Jesus get snacks in the middle of nowhere? How, how, how? While failing to grasp the transformation and good news that is literally right in front of them. It can be similar on a university campus where the pursuit and acquisition of knowledge is idolized. It is easy to assume that if we can understand, maybe we feel like we can control the how of God, then we will also somehow experience a connection with God. Maybe. But given the record of the Gospel of John that we read about, maybe not. Questions are powerful. They're powerful because of the ways that they can shape an entire society or for them. Here in the United States, the question of who sinned has been a dominant theme 
from our, from our very inception. And the way it has been answered has led to devastating consequences. The doctrine of discovery used by Christian and European explorers to justify taking whatever land they happen to set foot upon, regardless of who already lived there, that had embedded within it this question, asking whose sin provided the framework necessary to identify indigenous people as sinners, and their ensuing annihilation as the logical consequence, conveniently absolving the colonizers. Whose sin was also used to rationalize the enslavement of Africans, as their skin color and their very being was equated with sin, thus justifying their abuse as necessary punishment. Even when slavery, slavery was abolished, the question remained so central to our country that her government kept responding to it. There is a direct correlation to this fixation on the question, who sinned, and why the United States has one of the highest number of people who are currently imprisoned in the world. To keep asking that question, reinforces a system of power over others by way of punishment. And unsurprisingly, the logical progression is the exclusion, isolation, and banishment of certain peoples. In case I have not made it clear, who sinned is a terrible question to be asking because it sets the stage up for more harm to be done. How might the story in John 9 have unfolded if different questions were asked. So a familiar occurrence in the Gospel of John is people resisting the change that an encounter with Jesus brings. So instead, they deflect and they ask questions that miss the point and keep their systems intact. We see this in the reactions of the town, townspeople and religious authorities. Rather than curiosity, gratitude, or awe at the man's transformation, they do everything they can to keep him in the position that they are comfortable with, as a beggar, as someone who needs their help, and ultimately as a sinner who they banish when he refuses to stay put. Sadly, they also miss out on the opportunity to be transformed. What if instead the disciples had asked first, how can we help? What if the neighbors asked the man whose sudden vision must have been extremely disorienting, how do you feel? What if the religious authorities rejoiced at the miracle that did not fit into the worldview and then asked, how do we need to change? If each person had asked better questions than who sinned, how might their collective community have been transformed instead of the suspicion and fear that pushed them toward rupture and exile. As we read and soak in this story, we can see how the question who sinned and its various iterations continue to run amok through our society and continue to wreak havoc. It's important to be able to spot that framework so that when we see it occurring, we do not automatically answer it and go along with it. And also, we want to figure out better things to ask. What questions invite God's transforming work within us? What can we ponder that will lead us to more life, more healing, more love? The kinds of questions we ask in our spiritual journeys will shape the kinds of interactions we have with one another 
and the impact that we have in our community. So on the tables at your clusters are devotional cards with questions that accompany this week's scripture passage. There are seven. They're great questions. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you to just choose one that piques your, piques your interest, whatever, maybe just somehow your body feels drawn to it, and you're going to grab it, and then we'll take a couple minutes for you to individually and silently ponder it. And then we're going to break into pairs to share with one another. So, take a few minutes, grab a question, and just So to close, I want to go back to the story and center the, the man born blind, who after all is the person who actually had the transformative encounter with Jesus. It is interesting to note that he never even asked to be given vision. We may automatically assume that he would have been instantly happy, but remember, he never had vision before. He had never seen a face, a hill, a cup, colors, things up close, things far away, nothing. The act of seeing was completely beyond his experience. There was an article in the New Yorker over 30 years ago that described the challenging transition for blind people when vision was restored to them. The visual sensations were overwhelming. The rays could not make sense of it. An airplane in the sky was just as close as a tree because the person had no depth perception and thus the ability to discern distances. Everything was in 2D. Walking around became an intense experience because of all the visual stimuli and no previous associations to understand what those stimuli meant. There was too much information and they did not yet have a framework to understand it. Some people even resorted to just closing their eyes, unable to make that transition to having vision. The blind man's transformation was not instantaneous. It was certainly more than just about the physical act of seeing. There was more going on in his transformation. Even as he tried to make sense of what his eyes could perceive, everyone else worked pretty hard to reject his newly found vision. When the religious authorities kept demanding that he denounce Jesus as a sinner, the man refused them, and he responded with a revelatory statement. One thing I do Though I was blind, now I see. He could see the systems of power and shame. He could see beyond the religious trappings. He could see that more life was available to him from Jesus, who up until that point, he had actually never actually seen. The physical restoration of his eyesight was only the beginning of his spiritual transformation. Asking good questions, these questions, questions that cause us to wonder and think about our journey with God. They may lead us down unknown paths that are challenging. Spiritual transformation is not easy, but it is life-changing with the promise of healing, love, and hope. So remember this as we continue to ask questions together this Lenten season. Amen.